All right now, you're listening to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Bronin, just a fed up taxpayer bringing you all of your Texas local and national news. Welcome to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I am Bronin, your host. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, or if you are joining the program for the first time, 1,000 welcomes. And I know on the last episode that I talked about homelessness, but then there was a great article, or a depressing article, perhaps I should say, that was featured in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. And it focused on an encampment in California, this encampment in Oakland, California, where there are about 300 homeless people who are living under this underpass or a series of of highway overpasses, pardon me. And every time I read about homelessness or hear about homelessness, it gets worse. It's getting worse by the day. And the article includes some stats about how homelessness increased by 50% just in the state of California between 2014 and 2022. And I, I would say they're probably vastly underestimating how much homelessness has increased. And you know what's something else that I think about? Since 2014, how much has drug policy in the country relaxed over the last nine years. Has there been more relaxation, more legalization, more decriminalization of marijuana access, and now other types of drugs? I know that mushrooms are becoming more in vogue and our lawmakers around the country, as pitiful an excuse for lawmakers as they are, are decreasingly or pardon me, increasingly looking at mushrooms as not a threat. And do you think that there's a coincidence that over the last nine years, as the homeless population has exploded, that drug policy has also become much more friendly? That's in addition to every single TV show that you watch, especially if it's aimed at teenagers or kids. The characters have to be smoking weed. They all have to smoke weed. There's nothing cooler than weed. If you want to signify cool to a viewer, well, you you just have to pass the marijuana around. And I know I sound like a grandfather talking about marijuana, like, like I've never been around it or exposed to it, or even, to be completely honest, maybe used it once or twice myself. But, it, you know, just like alcohol, which is obviously legal, around the country and has been for other than a brief 10 or so year period during prohibition. And I I know that there's plenty of media that promote alcohol and drinking and, and binge drinking is very cool. But do we need more of that after the billions of dollars in advertising and education and legal fees that were spent to beat back big tobacco and and get cigarettes out of our kids' hands, and now they're all vaping marijuana. In any case, what I'm getting at here, as you can tell, is there's clearly an indication between being a drug addict and homeless. And so 
the friendlier that drug policy becomes, the more homelessness you're going to get. And these lefty progressives, you know, they try to promote the lie that our jails are full of people who smoke marijuana, which is the biggest lie that I've ever heard. And there's nobody in jail for smoking marijuana, unless you're selling it to kids in a large quantity. There's nobody who smokes marijuana in their home and then gets arrested for smoking marijuana. Maybe they tack on marijuana to the lengthy list of other felonies that you have committed. And yes, maybe you had marijuana possession. So they tack that on too. But there's nobody being singled out for marijuana. I can assure you of that. And, you know, it's not even clear that people are even sent to jail anymore because every single story, it seems, that I read where there's a criminal element, the person arrested, whether the person is bank jugging, whether the person is drunk driving and killing multiple people by plowing their vehicle into a group of people like happened in South Texas not long ago. Anytime you read about these criminals, like the Love Field shooter, the woman who went up to Love Field with a gun in an Uber and started unloading the weapon in the ticketing area in Love Field Airport, they have enormous rap sheets, and yet they are out on the streets. They, it doesn't seem like they did much time in prison or jail or whatever. So anyway, I'm going to get back to the story here. The homeless people in California. And so in the title, it says California spent $17 billion on homelessness over the last few years. Now, you combine that with New York City. And well, I guess in the grand scheme of things, that's just a few days or a few weeks in Ukraine. So maybe $40 billion or $50 billion over the last few years, just between California and New York. Maybe it's not that much in the grand scheme of things. But so the article focuses on this Wood Street homeless camp in Oakland. And something heavily associated with this homeless camp in particular, and homeless camps in general, aside from being drug dens that are completely unsafe, and you'd probably never want to be a woman in any of these places, for sure. God knows what would happen to you. But they cause fires. So obviously, the homeless, they will light fires with the trash and debris that they have available or that they have ferried in or, or that they've stolen shopping carts to to wheel into the encampment. And so uh, listen to this. The fire department, this is in Oakland, said it had been called to 816 fires at homeless camps in Oakland during the year that ended in October 2022, including 63 around the Wood Street camp. So one homeless camp in one year, 63 fires. Fires spread out of control, mostly by people cooking with propane tanks or burning materials for heat, the department said. Can you think of a state in all of the 50 states in America that needs fires less than California? And here you have the homeless community committing more mischief. These are acts of climate change. These are acts of global warming. Are they not starting 
fires, propane fires. In fact, one of the fires that the people in this homeless camp started in Oakland was so bad that traffic had to be stopped on the highway that they're living under. And apparently the homeless camp, it says there were 300 people there. there whatever they say is the official number. You, you may as well just double it, triple it, quadruple it. There, there's way more. But apparently the police, they were directing homeless people to go to this camp, again, just to get them out of neighborhoods and to get them from causing mischief around businesses. And I don't blame the police because the police, their hands are tied when it comes to homelessness. And the, the homeless are making life hell for the police as well. So Governor Newsom, he wants the camp closed. Allegedly, he toured it and said that it was the worst thing that he had ever seen in his life. Now, Governor Newsom, he doesn't really look like he's seen too many bad things in his life or that he re he doesn't really go anywhere that would put him in, in harm's way or have to look at the, uh, the plebes, the peasants, if you will. So I'm sure going into this homeless encampment was quite a shock. You know, it wasn't the French Laundry restaurant or something of that caliber that he's used to, a, a nice winery in the California wine region, I know he'd much prefer to be there. But now there's a big legal battle. The homeless people have gotten themselves an advocate, a lawyer, who is trying to help them stay on the taxpayer-funded land that doesn't have hydrants around to put fires out. So that way they can continue causing more fires, and then we can be using all of our fire department resources uh, to send out to the homeless encampment to put out the fires. So they've got a lawyer and she's apprising the homeless people of all of their rights. And of course, the city of Oakland is saying, oh, we, we don't have enough beds and we don't have enough shelter room. And many of the homeless, they don't want to go to a shelter and they don't want to go to state funded housing because they're going to have to give up all of their trash that they've collected and, and that they would prefer to litter around your neighborhood. The only solution here, right? You can forget about throwing more money at this problem because you could give homelessness in America an Iraq war type of budget and you wouldn't solve it because you're dealing with a bunch of adult children. They have child brain. They have drug brain. There's no reasoning. It basically... If, if you want to be empathetic, you need to follow the Bronin plan, which is tiny houses, build 500,000 of them. They need to go out to the windmills in West Texas. You know, we can, California is going to need to find some parcel far away from all of the taxpayers, all of the homeowners who are paying exorbitant prices to live in the state of California. And they need to be put out there and, and they have to stay out there and we can bring the services to them. But the, the foolishness needs to stop. The foolishness needs to stop. And speaking of foolishness, we still don't have a property tax cut. Governor Abbott, he's obviously advocating strongly for the House plan, which does not include a homestead exemption. And Greg Abbott says that his tax plan is going to drastically reduce property taxes 
more evenly among all kinds of businesses and property and not just homesteaded property. And he has tweeted out that his plan, the House's plan, is going to eventually lead to the elimination of property taxes in the state of Texas. Well, Governor Rabbit, you know, you've got my vote, sir. I voted for you multiple times, but I don't see property taxes eliminated for the state of Texas. As much as I would love that to have no property taxes, as much of a boost as that would do to my wallet and and for many of you listening, I, I just don't see how that is feasible without getting the money from somewhere else, like drastically raising the state sales tax or getting a state income tax. We don't need to look at expanding taxes anywhere. Let's definitely cut them. Let's make sure we're going in the right direction. But why can't the homestead exemption, why can't that just be tied to property values? You know, lawmakers around the country, especially Democrats, if they can tie a tax to inflation, like the gasoline tax, for example, or if they can tie their own salaries or anything like that to inflation. They're all over that. They will jump hoops. They will jump over walls. They will crawl across a field of broken glass very quickly at record speed to pass anything like that. But anything that might benefit you, a taxpayer, no, you have to wait you have to fight. You have to watch the nonsense unfold in the state capitol. You're at the mercy of these legislators. We should have a property tax cut right now. And you know what? It should go into effect immediately, not next year. I should be seeing my homestead exemption raised to $100,000 very quickly. And then you know what? In two years, $100,000 might not be enough of an exemption, depending on the trajectory of property values. So then maybe in a couple of years, it needs to jump up to $110,000 per year, or perhaps even more. Shouldn't that just happen automatically? Wouldn't that be nice if our legislators got behind something like that? My beef with the Abbott and the House property tax plan is it's just nebulous. It's not really clear. Abbott says that it is it is going to result in meaningful property tax cuts, but I just don't see it. I want to see a fixed dollar amount or a fixed percentage. I want to see that in the bill language. I want a fixed number etched into law because I don't have any confidence, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, until I see very specific figures. I'm going to go ahead and keep it moving. I want to talk about a national issue for a few minutes. I don't really delve too much into the national presidential politics, but it is getting a little interesting, at least on the Republican side. Mike Pence has just filed paperwork to enter the race for the Republican contest. DeSantis is officially in. We've got Tim Scott. We've got Nikki Haley. And she's kind of flailing around. I don't know, unless maybe one of these people comes out and surprises us in Iowa and gets a little momentum there. Obviously, they're all in New Hampshire now. 
I can tell you, I would like to see a lot more activity going on on the Democrat side. You've got Marianne Williamson, who she ran for president on the Democrat side in the last round against Joe Biden. She flamed out very quickly. Let's be real. I see the same future for her in terms of this next race. I don't see Joe Biden debating I don't see him debating for sure, Marianne Williamson. But what about RFK? He's got national name recognition. He's certainly going to be well-recognized in New Hampshire. I don't know what's going on there on the Democrat side. The problem with RFK Jr. is he's very difficult to listen to. And I'm sorry to say that. I don't know what's up with his voice. And you know what? You're listening to somebody who got a lot of feedback on his voice, especially as a kid. But RFK Jr., I just don't know if that's a voice that people can listen to. You know, I turned on a podcast that he was featured in with Mike Tyson and and somebody else, but RFK was talking about his father's assassination. It was hard to listen to. I'm sorry. But these are the kind of factors that mattered. We still don't elect a short person as president. There's no, there's no short presidents. The, Trump is a tall guy. Obama, Biden, Bush, Jr. I know he's not a junior, but George W. Even he's a pretty tall guy. And we evaluate people on these superficial metrics. I know, but. RFK, I think he's going to have a very hard time convincing voters based on that voice. But it's still important that we get legitimate contestants in the race. It needs to turn into a jungle. It needs to it needs to get exciting. We need to get some candidates in here to throw Biden a real challenge. Obviously, the Democrats, they, they don't have an interest in that. When there were 20 people up on the debate stage of every race, ethnicity, sex, sexual orientation, height, country, state, everything. The most diverse group of candidates ever to run in the history of the country for president on the Democrat ticket back in 2020. And obviously, the Democrats who claim they're committed to diversity, they elected Joe Biden, the oldest person ever, the whitest person ever, the male, and obviously male, I'm not going to make that other statement, but we need a competitive primary. And you know what, Republicans, you can contribute a lot to that and conservatives. Take a Democrat primary ballot, get in the Democrat primary, do not vote for Joe Biden, vote for the biggest loser. That's my strategy. I generally take a Democrat ballot in the primary. And unless Trump really needs it, I'm probably, I am probably going to vote for Trump. Let's be honest, but I'm probably going to be voting for the, whoever the Republican nominee is on Super Tuesday, unless Joe Biden, if, if he has got a legitimate component, and if I can take a, if I can throw a punch at Biden, electorally speaking, then I am going to take that Democrat ballot. I don't know why Republicans and conservatives are so resistant to that strategy. And and this is not a strategy that I have invented. This is a strategy I am copying off of 
uh, people who are much more savvy politically and, and much more in the know than I am. But I strongly encourage you to get a, a Democrat candidate, start supporting them so we can knock Biden out because that, that's the only way that it's going to happen. The Democrats, they are going to get behind Biden again. You know, I've heard so much speculation about, oh, once the midterms are over, they're going to be moving him aside. And th that talk went on for a year. And the dementia, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And it is. He's falling all the time. Uh, to me, honestly, it's he's lucky that he hasn't broken a hip from that fall. I mean, think of an 80-year-old who you know in your life. Think of a 70-year-old in your life, or maybe even younger. I know people younger than that. They have taken a fall, and it's put them in a surgery. So whatever you want to think about Biden, physically, he, he's one of those guys who he'll be walking around 100 with, with a brain completely melted in his head. It's, it's obviously well on its way to being fully melted now. Per usual, this is wishful thinking here at the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I, it is a pragmatic show, but I do have wishes, hopes, and dreams, and probably not going to come true. But at a minimum, RFK right now, he's the only one who, you know, at least he can give him a little bit of a run for his money, maybe in New Hampshire, because of the, obviously, the Kennedy connection there in Massachusetts does spill over into New Hampshire, typically not for good reasons. But RFK, he came out strong against the vaccine. So anybody who anybody who was in that camp, anybody who was in that COVID is a complete hoax, and you have to be a moron to think that it was anything other than that, I can get behind any candidate with that line of thinking. In any case, I'm Bronin. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Real Texas Radio Podcast. Catch me on Twitter at RTR underscore Bronin or at the Real Texas Radio Podcast on Instagram.